0: Welcome to the Forerunner Church Podcast, where we highlight key messages and themes related to the body of Christ, inviting you to connect with our spiritual family as we grow in passion for Jesus and compassion for people. For more information, visit ForerunnerChurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. message for this morning is entitled, The King Shepherd. We're going to look at Jesus as both shepherd and king, and how that relates to us, and how the Lord beckons us to draw close to him in every season of the soul. Read a few verses here from John 10, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Father, we rejoice in you. We love you. We ask you, Lord, for your spirit that brings encouragement, that brings strength to us, that spirit of wisdom and revelation. We ask that you would stretch out your hand, that you would cause us, even as Jeremy was singing, to approach you. Lord, we wanna be near to you, we wanna be nearer to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One of the common metaphors that we find throughout the word of God is the Lord calling his people, calling us, sheep and referring to us as sheep and himself as the shepherd. And one of the very interesting things about that is that that is not the highest compliment that you could possibly receive from the Lord. There's an idea that uh, sheep are these kind of cute, cuddly animals, and we send our children to the petting zoo, and they just kind of wrap their arms around these perfectly white, pristine, docile creatures. And that's not quite the way that real sheep are. And uh, I've argued with the Lord about this. I wanted to at least be like a golden retriever or something because at least there's some measure of loyalty or at least half a brain um, with being a golden retriever. But that's not the case. That's not the case. The Lord says, Isaac, you're a sheep. Don't worry. Um, Sheep are very dependent upon the shepherd. They... Are incapable of finding their own food. Um, They will eat grass all the way down to the dirt and then starve because there's no grass left to even regrow. And that's why one of the reasons why shepherds have to constantly move the sheep around from pasture to pasture because they don't really think or plan ahead about the future. They're entirely helpless. They can't defend themselves from any sort of prey. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. They can't squirt out ink, at least none of the ones I've seen. They're not very fast, not fast enough to outrun the animals, the other animals that hunt them. And so they're very helpless creatures. Uh, They're covered in a giant sweater that can become waterlogged and be incredibly heavy, making it even more difficult to escape. Um, They're lost very easily. They're one of the few creatures that cannot find their way back home. That's right. Even chickens, I mean a chicken, can find its way back to its roost on its own, but not so with a sheep. It has to be constantly guided, protected, fed. So when it comes to the issue of shepherding and the way that the Lord cares for us as sheep, it is a 24-7 job. It is something that the Lord says, in essence, of himself calling himself a shepherd and that there is continuous care that has to be given, granted to sheep. The shepherds stay wherever the sheep are. So if the sheep are in the fold, the shepherd is there. If the sheep are out in a field, the shepherd is there. If the sheep are lost, the shepherd is there. They're constantly giving up their own life in order to preserve, fight for, protect, and provide for the sheep. One of the things that I find very interesting about the Lord is that the scripture describes him, and we know him to be a mighty king and a mighty savior. And this mighty judge, you know, the ruler over the earth, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He holds everything in the palm of his hand. He has such glorious power and brilliance and might. And I find it interesting that he is not afraid to call himself a shepherd. One of the reasons why I find that interesting is because shepherds, particularly in the biblical times, were seen very low on the social ladder. Some of the very lowest. That was the job you did not want was to be a shepherd. Because of the reasons that I just described, you have to care for the dumbest animals in the animal kingdom. I read that on Wikipedia. And you have to live wherever they are. And you don't get a vacation, particularly in that day, you're just if you're a shepherd, you're just a shepherd. That's your job. And even in spite of the deficiencies of the sheep, we sh- we see that shepherds profoundly care about these animals. There's this connection that that forms. They care about these animals. They're with them day in and day out. They call them all by name. And they're I mean they're right there. How could you not? Maybe you don't have many other friends except the sheep. Here are these sheep, and look at the way Isaiah 53, 6 describes them, describes us. The Lord says through the prophet, all we like sheep have gone astray. That's another propensity of the sheep is to constantly get lost. It's almost as if their job is to invent new ways to get lost. If you drive through a region where there are lots of sheep, sheep farming, etc., if there is a cliff, it's not uncommon to see a pile of fur that's a sheep carcass because they've fallen off the cliff. Matter of fact, sheep will eat grass with their head down, and they will walk right off a cliff, not anticipating the danger that's in front of them. At least they died happy, but they still died. The prophet describes us as sheep that have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. That's how sheep are wired, is to seek the best benefit or the most exciting moment for themselves. I've seen this, clip being circulated across the internet. Maybe you have as well. It's this young boy. There's this crack in the ground. It looks like maybe they're like putting in some like piping or something, but there's this deep crevice uh, alongside of this road and there's a sheep stuck in it upside down. And there's this boy who's pulling on the leg of the sheep and with great, you know, you're kind of watching it like, come on kid, you can do it. Get this sheep out of the crack and he's pulling on this sheep, and boop, the sheep pops out. And you're like, yes, what a feel-good story. And the sheep goes bounding off, and he's, you know, seems to be happy. I don't know. He's jumping around, and then immediately, within one second, back in the crack again, about 10 yards away. I don't know that there's a better description for my life than that. Maybe some of you feel the same way. (laughs) It's like, I'm trying my hardest to be a good sheep. I want to be a sheep dog, but I can't be. I want to like, sheep dogs are smart, you know? And and another interesting thing about the sheep is, is that they won't go where they're supposed to go without the shepherd using a dog to bite them bark at them, and make them terrified. That's how dumb sheep are. It's like, come on, guys, just come this way. And she's sheep's like, no, not gonna do it, all right? I have to use this dog to get you to go the right way. The dog is gonna absolutely terrify you so that you'll go to the right place where you can have peace and rest and and be fed. Now, I think that, In my life, maybe your life is the same. There has to be forces that push me into the right direction because I wouldn't choose it on my own. The Lord uses all manner of pressure and difficulty and trial because ultimately he's going to get us all to the right place. He's going to bring the body of Christ into unity and profound love and peace and safety, and he's going to gather the nations. He's going to gather the outcasts of Israel, and he's going to bring them all into the sheepfold where the great king shepherd will preside over them with tenderness and care for all of eternity. John 10, verse 27, Jesus says of himself, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I love that. I know them. That here's the shepherd and he's spent so much time with us. He's been there in the rainstorm. He's been there when it's sunny out. He's been there when we're under attack. He's been there when we're eating when we're sleeping, when we're lying down, when we're rising up, he's there through every season of our life. And because of that, he knows us in a profoundly deep way, actually far better than we know ourselves. The good shepherd is always among the sheep. God is always present and walking among his people and tending to them and deeply aware of all of their needs. Well, Jesus says, hear my sheep, hear my voice. So I witnessed this incredible thing when we were in New Zealand one time and we went and visited visited this shepherd's house and he invited us all over, our team, come over there and he owned this mountain. I didn't even know that was possible. It was like the coolest thing ever. Like I just own a New Zealand mountain. Anyways, we went to his house he lived at the at the base of this mountain. And he's talking to us about this, John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. He says, I want you to see something. And then he begins to call up the mountain. And within a few moments, we start to see all of these sheep just come pouring down the mountain to the voice of the shepherd. I didn't try, but I know that if I had called, they would not have come to my voice because I'm not their shepherd. I'm not the one that's there with them, tending for them, caring for them. And Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And within a few moments, we were surrounded by like over a thousand sheep. It was a wild experience. It's like one of those things where the Bible really comes to life and you begin to understand that the language that Jesus is using and the prophets are using was very common to the hearers of the day. They would have it, understood what they were saying at a much deeper level than, than often I do. My sheep hear my voice. Let's look at the heart of the shepherd. One of the things that God does is, is that he raises up leaders that are after his own heart. We know that. We know that from the life of David. We know that from verses like Jeremiah 3.15. God wants leaders in the body of Christ and in the nations, actually. He wants political leaders. He wants leaders in society and government and you know, culture and music and media, he wants people that share his heart and and share it in a very particular way, actually embody and share the attributes and characteristics of being a shepherd. When the Lord was searching for a man that would be after his own heart to rule over Israel, he finds King David. Well, he wasn't the king at the time. He was just a young shepherd boy. But I love this verse, verse 78, or Psalm 78, verse 70. It says that he chose, God chose David, his servant, and he took him from the sheepfolds. He found a man that had a heart after God. He said, that young man's heart, it's like mine in many ways. And I bet that David acquired that heart like gods, from being a shepherd. We don't often equate kingly status with shepherds. They don't mix together. They're on the opposite ends of the social spectrum, the social hierarchy. Kings are in places of prominence and power. Kings employ shepherds. But if you go into a palace, you're not going to see a thousand sheep jammed into the throne room. It'd be very unlikely. In a similar way, if you were to go out into the pasture where all the sheep were on a stormy night, you wouldn't find a king sleeping out there. And one of the beauties of God, our God, is that he combines the two together And though he's an exalted king, he identifies as being a shepherd. He doesn't run from the wind and the storms. He doesn't run from hard nights. He doesn't run when wolves appear. He doesn't just retreat into the comfort of his palace. But he walks among and he tends his flock like a shepherd does in a very near way. And one of the things that shepherd leadership reveals to us is something very important about the way that God views power and the use of power. Because if you go and talk to a shepherd and you go and talk to a king, there are a lot of similarities, but there's also some huge differences that begin to emerge in the traditional way that we would understand shepherds and kings. Uh, When you think about shepherds and kings, both are leaders. Uh, Both have a mission that's in front of them. Both have a sense of authority and they have to consistently use that authority. Both have a sense of responsibility. Both of them can inflict judgment or use wrath to defend their interests. But one of the things that begins to emerge when you begin to compare kings and shepherds is that you begin to see that a shepherd serves in a very different way than traditional kings do. Traditional kings seek to be served by those that they lead. So they fill the royal court with servants who make their food, who play them music, who speak into, you know, matters, kingly matters and give them advice. In other words, when you're a king, you could take advantage of your place of power and prominence to get those that you lead to serve your interests. And some of the worst leaders actually throughout history, some of the most ferocious and savage of kings are those that have used the most amount of people to serve their own self-interest rather than serving the interests of those that they lead. But when you're a shepherd, the sheep that are out there, they can't meet your needs. They can't bring you a cup of cold water. They can't cook you a meal They can't drive off the predators that are gonna show up at night that are trying to take out weaker or smaller sheep. So in some ways, when you're a shepherd, you don't expect the sheep to be able to serve and meet all of your needs. And even though you're the leader, even though you're in the place of power and responsibility and you have authority over that flock, you're there to meet the needs of that flock, not vice versa. That's why when the Lord envisions leaders, political leaders, religious leaders, whatever it may be in his kingdom, in the Old Testament, all all the way through the storyline of scripture, when God envisions leaders, he calls them shepherds. Shepherds are not strictly church folk, pastors, and leaders, and etc., shepherds in the Bible actually deal with leaders throughout all these different sectors of society, particularly political leaders and religious leaders. So when the Lord envisions leadership in his kingdom, he says I want shepherd leadership. Look at this verse in Ezekiel 34. It's a famous passage. I encourage you to read it on your own. Famous chapter that addresses shepherding. And it is just filled with so much wisdom and clarity and perspective. The prophet says by the spirit, verse 23, I will establish one shepherd over them and he will feed them. It's my servant, David, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant, David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the type of leadership that the father longs for to be established in the earth. Shepherd leadership. Matter of fact, it stands in stark contrast with the way that In our weakness, in our insecurity, in our carnality, the way that we're prone to lead, the way that we're prone to lead our businesses, the way we're prone to lead in our marriages and our families, the way we're prone to lead in ministry. When God looks for a leader and for a king, he's looking for a shepherd, and you see this pattern emerge all throughout the scripture over and over. He's looking for shepherds. Some of the great characters of the Bible were shepherds. We've mentioned David, also Moses. Jesus himself refers to himself as a shepherd. Look how Jesus defines leadership and see how it compares to that of the shepherd, Matthew 20. Jesus called them to himself. This is his disciples who, by the way, are in an argument about who's gonna be greatest in the age to come. Who's gonna be the greatest among us? I mean, there's 12 of us. So somebody's gotta kind of take lead. Jesus calls them to himself. He says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. What do the rulers of the Gentiles do? They lord it over them. They use their authority and their responsibility and their privilege. They lord it over people to get something from the people primarily. Verse 26, and I think Jesus is prophesying here to their young, ambitious hearts. He says, Yet it shall not be so among you. That's not how we're going to do it. And my Father's kingdom in the renewed earth, even in the age to come. He says, we're not going to lead in the way that the Gentiles do when they lord their authority and their power over those under their care. He says this, whoever desires to become great, let him be your servant. Be like a shepherd. This is the way in which God Relates to us. This is the way in which Christ relates to us. He is our king and He is our authority. And yet, when we look up, we realize He's down here washing our feet and meeting our needs, even as we're straying as sheep. It's profoundly comforting. False shepherds, they feed themselves rather than feeding the flock. When you're a shepherd and you're only there because of what the sheep can give you, when a threat emerges, when a wolf arises, when there's some danger that puts you in danger, you flee because you were never there to do your job. You were there to try and get others to meet your needs. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd king, paragraph D, because he lays down his life for the sheep. I don't know many shepherds, probably only that one guy I met. But I don't know of any shepherds out there that are going, at the end of the day, the life of this sheep is greater than my own. And I'd lay down my life for this sheep. I've shared over the last couple years about the revolving door of the pets in our house. Easy come, easy go. I'm not a huge pet guy. I don't get real attached to pets and animals. I understand those that do. I salute you. You know, people, they got their dog. It's like a member of their family. They love their cat, which is actually the most sad because your cat for sure does not love you. It really doesn't. He is ruling your house with a paw of iron. You just have not figured it out yet. He's not strong enough or mean enough to convey it to you, but it is true. People become deeply attached to their pets, to a dog. Maybe they keep horses, whatever it is. But there's almost no one that would look at Sparky and say, Sparky's life is more valuable than mine. This is one of the things that sets Jesus as the great shepherd apart from all the rest of the shepherds. There's no one like him. There's no one like him that has a plan to redeem and restore the sheep from their certain destruction. And there's no one else that has the power to do it either. Because here's Jesus, the great shepherd, and he goes, I'm going to lay down my life willingly. I have the power to lay it down. That creates a huge problem for the sheep. I mean, can you imagine the chaos, the fear, the confusion that the disciples were in on Saturday after Jesus had been crucified? I mean, the heaviness, the sorrow that entered their heart. And here's the beauty of our King Shepherd is that when he has a plan to lay down his life, he has a plan to take it back up again. If the shepherd leaves the sheep, Zechariah 13 tells us, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Here is the shepherd of all the earth, of all of humanity, Christ, who is struck. The people are scattering. His disciples are reeling, confused. They're very vulnerable. That's what happens to the flock when the, sh- when the shepherd is struck is that the flock becomes very vulnerable. I mean, you could picture it. There's a shepherd out in the field. He's got his flock. He's tending for them, watching over them. If he gets the flu and has to go back up to the house, those sheep are very vulnerable. They're going to wander off. They're going to get eaten. They're going to fight each other. They're going to do all sorts of stuff. And here's the glory of our king and our shepherd is that He has a plan to lay down his life to redeem the sheep, and yet he has a plan to be raised again in glory, in honor, in power. This one of such humility that would associate with us, that would see us valuable enough to die for, to suffer for, to suffer loss and humiliation, to suffer in his body, to endure torture and the sufferings of the cross and the agonies of death. What kind of shepherd is this? There's no one like him. He's incredible. He's glorious. Now this shepherd king, he's able to meet every need that we have. Psalm 23, probably the most well-known Bible verse or segment of scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, David declares. He says, I shall not want. I'm actually so confident in his shepherding that I know I will not lack anything. Go to page two. Here's the interesting thing about David's life. If you read it, there were many, many times when David was lacking He was on the run from Saul. He was waiting for promises that had been given to him as a young boy to come to pass. Later in his life, his own son would rise against him and he would give his throne to Absalom. And when I read the life of David, I see many seasons where David was seemingly lacking. But he has such a confidence in the power of God and in the shepherding heart of the Messiah that he declares, I know that I will not lack anything that I need. God will give to me. God will restore to me. Look at this. It says, he restores my soul. Everyone experiences the need for their soul to be restored. We suffer loss we suffer pain, we experience anguish or sorrow or mistreatment, setbacks, betrayal. This is part of the human experience. And yet here is our shepherd not running from the pressures at hand, but right in the midst of the flock among us, among the body of Christ in the earth right among the flock, restoring, healing, mending in a spirit of tenderness and humility. And he's walking among us. David used another illustration of shepherding in Psalm 43. He says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? I think one of the things that he's speaking of is, is this propensity for a sheep to be called, to be what's called cast aside. And they basically get flipped on their back and they can't roll back over. And they can die laying there out in the field on their back, completely helpless. It's a sad thing to see. You can look it up and watch videos of sheep just kind of floundering on their back. Kind of feels like us at the end of Thanksgiving. So when we were in New Zealand, all the sheep come in because it was like starting to rain and storm or whatever. All the sheep come in and the shepherd begins to realize that there's some sheep missing or at least one. And so we hop in, uh, in the pickup truck in New Zealand. They call them buckies. So shout out to my Kiwi friends out there. They hop in the bucky, they head up the mountain. So we're with them, we're riding in this, in this truck. He's looking everywhere. It's raining. It's dark. It's scary. You don't want to be on a mountain in a storm. That's like closer to the lightning, you know? So we're driving. All of a sudden, he spots the sheep. It's been cast aside. And these sheep, you know, they have all this wool on them, and it just gets soaked in water. And so they, you know, maybe double their weight. I don't know. Something like that. But this thing is heavy. It's it's cast aside. Is on his back. And... You know, when David says, why are you disquieted within me? You'd know why. This thing's making a noise, making a ruckus. It's terrified. And so this guy gets out. I don't remember him even having like rain gear on or anything. In my mind, the story is like he just gets out in his like T-shirt. It's pouring rain. He walks over to the sheep, picks it up, puts it on its feet, lets go, waits. She takes like half a step, boom, falls on its back. It's down again. How many times in our life do we get cast aside in our emotions? Do we get hit with sorrow, grief, anguish, and we're on our back? Here comes the encouraging word. Here comes the prayer team. Here comes the text from mom. Here comes whatever it is that's to help us get back up on our feet, and we kind to stand up, stagger a step or two, and then poof, fall on our back again. A lot of us, when we fall the second time, we start to experience the shame of it. Why, am, why can't I do it? Why don't I have the strength to keep going? Why don't I have the strength to just kind of pull myself up by the bootstraps and, and just kind of soldier on? And sometimes we forget that we're a sheep, waterlogged on the side of a mountain. And we need our shepherd to not just pick us up one time, hop in the truck and head back down, but we need him to pick us up again and again and again until we're able to continue on the way that we should go. So the shepherd is there. He picks up the sheep one time, falls back over. It's just like, bah, you know, making all these noises. It's not a pretty sight. He picks it up again, boom, falls over. And he realizes that the sheep's legs have fallen asleep because it's been stuck in this position for so long. So it has no feeling, has no ability to feel, has no ability to to walk. And so he starts like rubbing the hindquarters of this sheep and, and then letting go to ensure that the sheep has enough feeling and enough ability to endure on its own. And once he gets it up, he kind of goes on his way. I mean, that picture to me, I'm sitting in this pickup truck, looking out the window, there's rain just coming down, it's freezing cold. I'm just like, this is how God loves me. This is how God loves you. You get struck, you get hit. The storms of life raining down on you. You're cast aside. Here comes your good shepherd. Here comes Christ, the king. He's not in his kingly robes. He's wearing shepherd garments. He's getting down with you in the muck and the mud and the threat of storm and lightning strikes and wolves and it all. He's down with you there and he's picking you up again and again until you can stand on your own. This is the kindness of God. This is the type of God that we serve. He's enthroned in majesty, and yet you find him in the sheep pen. He's exalted on the throne of his father, and yet here he is in the muck and the mud of our life, ensuring that we're not cast aside and devoured, that our lives are not lost, that were not wasted and poured out and forgotten. And every single sheep matters to the shepherd. He leaves the group just like we did in the story. He left the group and went to find the one. The one that was gone was enough to move his heart and go, I gotta go look for it. I gotta go search for it. This is the heart of God. Look at paragraph five. There's a king shepherd that's gonna make all things new. I love this verse from Isaiah 40 because it's verse 10 is like so glorious and grand. And then all of a sudden, verse 11 is so relatable and real. So here's verse 10. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand. Here's our king. Here is our savior, our deliverer, Jesus The Christ, he's coming with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work is all before him. I mean, what a verse. What a verse that Isaiah is prophesying here. And then in verse 11, it's almost like the scene flips, but it doesn't flip. It's still the same one with the strong arm. He's coming with the power and the authority of his father. Verse 11, it says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. What? What other God, what other hero writes their story? It's the moment to come and rescue the damsel in distress, slay the dragon, and take back the castle. And he shows up with such... a illustrious power and might and wisdom and strength. And then in verse 11, he feeds his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs with his arm. He carries them in his bosom, which is near to his heart. And he gently leads those who are with young. This is our king shepherd. Shepherd. When he comes in the day of the Lord, in the day of vindication, the day of justice, he's gonna stretch out his hand across the nations. He's gonna recover the scattered ones from Israel. He's gonna bring them back. That's what Isaiah 34 is about. It is about the shepherd king coming to recover what has been lost the Jewish people that have been scattered among the nations. When he comes, like the prophets describe, like Zechariah 14 describes, in power and glory and plagues and devastation to the armies of the Lord, he comes as a king shepherd. He sets his hand among the nations to recover That which has been lost to him. That which has been promised to him. That which he values and esteems more than any other. He reaches out. He begins recovering the Jewish people and brings them into his heart. Look what begins to happen across the earth. At the bottom here, Ezekiel 34. Let's have our worship team go ahead and come out. Ezekiel 34 I will make a covenant of peace with them. I will make them in the places all around my hill. He's speaking of Jerusalem, the hill of the Lord, Mount Zion. I will make it a blessing. There will be showers of blessing. The trees of the field will yield their fruit. The earth shall yield her increase. What's happening is when the shepherd king arrives to deliver the earth, to deliver Israel. When he comes in salvation and might and strength, he comes as a shepherd to restore all things. He's beginning to undo the power of the curse. He's beginning to undo the bramble and the thorn and the sweat and the toil that has come upon the earth when at the recovery of the people of Israel when he makes a covenant with them. Look at verse 31. The Lord says, you are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men and I am your God. This is the God we serve. The king shepherd who comes lowly, who comes humble, who cares for us individually and who's going to redeem the whole earth. Let's stand. Father, we delight in your leadership, or we trust your leadership as the shepherd of our souls. Lord, you recover that which is lost. You gather that which is scattered. You exalt the lowly. You bring down the proud. Your kindness, Lord, your mercy, the tender way in which you deal with our hearts, that you deal with disquieted emotions that you deal with souls that are disrupted. The tender way you gather us in. You bring us near. You speak words of tenderness. You speak words of grace, mercy, your profound love over our lives. This is who you are, our king, our shepherd, our God. We love you for it. We love you for it. Father, I ask that you would mend the brokenhearted, that you would heal the afflicted, that you would exalt the lowly, that you would establish shepherds in this hour. We delight in you, God. We delight in your mercy in your tenderness, remember your people Israel. In this hour of distress, Lord set your hand to recover all that has been scattered. Set your hand to recover all that has been lost, all that has been stolen, all that has been cheated. We ask in this hour, Lord, that you would arise as the great king shepherd, the good shepherd. We love you, Jesus. We're gonna worship for a moment or two. If you'd like to receive prayer this morning for anything in your life, maybe you're in a time of, you feel like that sheep that's been cast aside. You feel like your emotions are all over the map. You feel like the Lord is calling you to a deeper place of humility and surrender and your own leadership in your life. And you're saying, I wanna say yes to that. I wanna say yes to whatever the Lord would have for me in this season. I wanna invite you to come forward. We're gonna have some of our ministry team up here to pray with you. You just come stand across these lines. We're gonna worship together a moment or two. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. Thank you for tuning in to Sunday Sermon. For more information, service times, and free teaching resources, visit ForerunnerChurch.com.